Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. To remain standing in honor of reading God's Word this morning, we are in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, this past week, my grandfather, my grandpa Jim, and my grandma Joyce are actually members here at Fairview Church. My whole life, they have lived either in Kansas or Missouri, and all of a sudden, they moved here, and so my kids get to be with their great-grandparents and their grandparents, which is, which is awesome. But my grandfather, when he was in Kansas, he taught hunter safety, and he just got awarded with a trophy and a certificate for 50 years of teaching uh, hunter's education. How many of you all have, yeah, celebrate that. Absolutely. How many of you all have taken hunter safety class? Okay, good number of folks. All right. So when you take hunter safety, obviously what you learn predominantly is that you always have to assume a gun is loaded, right? You, You assume that because a gun is an incredibly dangerous thing. And if you just mess up for a a second, incredible damage can be done. And that's why you have to be so careful with a firearm. And this is what makes it ironic because it was at his farm in Missouri that my brother and I were getting ready uh, to go hunting and we were waiting for my grandpa and my dad to come out of the house. And so we were both sitting down in a ditch, and I was sitting kind of like this, reclined back. And my brother had had a 410 shotgun in his hand, and he was kind of playing with the hammer. Well, he pulled it back just far enough and let it go, and the gun went off. And I could feel all of the shotgun shell, all of that, go right over my legs. Right over my legs. And literally the gun was like right here. Had it been an inch lower, 
he would have completely just destroyed my legs. Literally, I mean, just that much of an inch would have, would have been incredibly destructive. And so I thought, how ironic was it that that memory that I have of what could have massively changed my life was right in the front of the house of my grandfather who's taught hunter safety for 50 years. But I also thought about that example this past week because I've been thinking about this sermon series and what we're going to talk about this morning. And I thought, you know what, in, in many ways, just as a gun is something that has to be handled with such caution because it can do so much damage in just a split second, the human body is something that has to be handled so cautiously because it can do so much damage in a split second. And, and I thought about that partly because we recently got back from vacation and thankful uh, Dan Coe preached last week, did a tremendous job. And we were, we were uh, out of town in Colorado and Wyoming. And so coming back from that, there's always a stack of things to do. And anyway, through the day, th- some things didn't go the way I wanted to. And I just kind of grew in frustration, got home that evening and, and got more frustrated and all of a sudden, I was, I was kind of down, kneeling on the floor, working on something, and I just slammed my fist down. Just totally lost my composure, lost my cool. I mean, literally, like, I was like, did I just break my pinky? Like, it was hurting. Has anyone ever done anything like this? Okay, thank you for the head nods. But as that pain is radiating, it kind of brings you back to consciousness, I thought, what happened? How did I just completely lose my mind? How did I, how did I let that, that rage grow within me and just take over my body in that way? How did, how did I let that, that happen? And I can think back to other times when that's happened, when, when I have literally let these, these impulses just take over, and, and they can bring so much destruction. You see that. They can bring so much destruction in just this, this matter of a moment. And so we have to understand the potential that God has given us as human beings, both for good and for evil. That we've looked at the way that God created us. He created us as these beings that are kings and queens. He's put us in this incredible role with all of this authority and all of this potential and creativity and and consciousness and and all of the the potential that God's given us for good. But we see that that can just as easily be hijacked to bring about incredible destruction. And we have been looking through the scripture at the way God's designed us. And we've seen that that humanity, the human being, which which is put at this place of of kind of the apex of creation that we have been given a body that's made out of what dirt right body made out of dirt and we see adam and and that name which is which becomes tied to edom and the red clay and all of these things that play out through the scriptures uh, with redness and and the dirt but that's the body and yet there's this other component that Genesis tells us is, is, is part of the human being, and that is the breath, the ruach, 
spirit of God that's breathed into us. And so the human soul, the human being, this whole creature is this mixture of these two realities. And, and the flesh, the body, is, is tied to the earth. And it is always meant to, the way God's put it together, when everything's aligned rightly, it's meant to be led by the spiritual side of us, this invisible, uh, or invisible uh, dynamic that's tied to God, that's focused on doing God's will. And when that's in place, it's almost like when your neck is aligned, right? When you go to the chiropractor and they put everything right back in order. When everything's aligned and the spiritual aspect of who we are is connected with God and communion with God is doing his will, then there's shalom. There's flourishing. There's wholeness at every level. But what we see through the fall is that the emphasis gets moved from that dynamic, the spiritual aspect that's tied to God and communion with him and following him, and it gets moved to the appetites, to the flesh, to the body. And as a result of the fall, we see that the, the focus becomes on pleasing not God, but who? The self, that that becomes the focus of humanity and the appetites, the desires are not meant to handle that amount of weight. And so when that happens, that the desires, the appetites, the physical body becomes enslaved. It becomes enslaved to these desires. We've talked about the difference between receiving from God, which is the way of life, and then giving out of what God has given us. And we saw the entrance of fall is this move to take from creation, to try to fill ourselves with life, to fill our, to, to fulfill ourselves with any aspect of creation. And anytime we're taking, ultimately, it's going to take from us. It's going to take over us. And we're going to become enslaved to, to physical things. Because again, the body and the, these lower aspects of creation are not made to fulfill us. And so they will inevitably enslave us. And that's what happens. We see the, the fall through Genesis and that this human nature that God designed so incredibly, so beautifully, with so much potential, is corrupted and hijacked and is utilized to bring destruction at so many levels. Now, what I've tried to emphasize through this sermon series is that the goodness of God's creation is still there. The goodness of create the created order in the earth and the goodness of the body and all of these things, that's what God created. And just like it was in the beginning, it's still good, right? The goodness is still there. The, the problem is the way that we now are wired in one way. And so I think an example that describes this to me is the idea that God is a father who gives us a guitar, and it's a good guitar. But the problem is, is that we have our hands tied together because we're slaves to our physical desires. And we also are, are blind and deaf. Our spiritual senses are blinded and deaf. And so the guitar is still good, but we are bound up and, we, and we're blind. And so it's our ability to play that that becomes the problem. And, and this is the condition we're in. Paul talks about we're dead in our, in our sins. We're, we're dead in the, the trespass. We, we, the spiritual aspect of us is, is dead in that way, right? We're blind to the spiritual realities, to the realities of God and the spiritual world and the way in which he designed us 
to connect with him and commune with him. And so in this state, we cannot fix ourselves. We can't use our bodies and this physical aspect of us and somehow rescue ourselves from this condition. And this is what Jesus comes to do. He takes on a body, and beyond that, what he ultimately does is he takes on this fallen condition. He takes on this corrupted human nature, and he takes it to the cross. Because that condition can't be repaired, it can't be fixed, it can only be killed. It has to die. And this is what Jesus does. He, he takes it to the cross, and what Three days later, God raises up from the dead is not like, it's not the same thing as what was put in the grave. And we see this in the New Testament. We see that there is difference in the resurrected body of Jesus. And what the scripture tells us is this resurrected body of Jesus is a new way of being human. It's a new creation. Ultimately, it's what God intended to begin with, it's this fully alive humanity that's fully alive physically and spiritually. That's this full expression of the flourishing, right? The wholeness that God intended. And what Paul tells us, what we're going to see is, is this is what is our future if we are in Christ. That we will be raised up and we will have a body like his. We will be in this new creation, this new humanity that God ultimately resurrected from the dead. The problem is, in the midst of this, we ultimately cannot accomplish this on our own. And, and this is where we are only capable of receiving this, this new humanity, this new creation, through dying. And the way Paul says that we do this is tied with, is what, what Tammy did out here, is tied with baptism. That there is this way in which we die with Jesus, that we are united with him. We, we are united with him through, ultimately it's through faith. We, we put our trust in Jesus. We acknowledge, I can't fix this problem. I can't fix myself. But I'm trusting completely in Jesus and his perfect righteousness and his life lived sinlessly for me and his death on the cross to pay for my sins and in his resurrection to make me a new creation. And so that's what, what Tammy just expressed, right? Is this union with Christ that we die to the old person, the old life, and we are raised a new creation in Christ. And, and that's spiritually true. So from a spiritual standpoint, the, the Ruach standpoint, we have this relationship with God. We have this, this life spiritually. But we still, for the time being, are in what? Bodies. And these bodies are what the scripture calls the flesh. There's still sin that's present in these bodies. Now one day, we have the promise in Romans 8, 23, we read not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits. And think about that as like the down payment. So the spirit of God is the first fruits. We also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our 
bodies. So what's going to happen one day is our bodies will be raised incorruptible like Jesus. Our bodies will be completely set free from sin, completely redeemed and renewed, just like Jesus' resurrected body. That's the future. That's ultimately our hope. And Paul talks a lot about that. But in the meantime, we're still in this dichotomy at some level. There's still this war, this battle that's raging that Paul talks about between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. He says these are opposed to each other. And so we all know this. Again, I experienced this this last week, but we all know this battle. We know what it means to have these desires of the flesh and at the same time to have the desires of the spirit. The spirit always desires to please who? God, right? To do what is righteous and right. And yet the flesh desires sin in in all of these ways. And yet what Paul says is he says, because of this transformation, we fully surrender to Christ and trust in him and we become a new creation in Christ. What we now want is to do what God wills, right? That's what we want. And that's what he says. But because of the flesh in us, we don't do what we want. Has anybody ever had that experience? That was not what I wanted to do. Right? I know what I want to do is, is what's right, what pleases God. I want to please God, right? I want to do what, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. That's what I want. That's my core desire. That's it. And yet I do these things with my body that I don't want to do. And he goes through these examples of us. But, but here's, here's what I think, that the way in which he says we live now is that these aren't our normal, regular pattern, right? This is, we, we don't just give ourselves over to these desires anymore. We, we don't just allow ourselves to go with the flow of the flesh in that way. We now, we're battling against that, right? There's this war that's being waged against that. And at the core, it isn't who we are. And this is really core to what, what Paul's saying. He's saying those sins are not who we are We are a new creation in Christ. So our identity at the core, who we are, is in Christ. We're righteous, as we sang about that, in Christ. That's that's our identity. We do sin. And there's all these ways in which we experience that. But, But at the core, that is not who we are. We are in Christ. And he says, now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who are in Christ have actually crucified what? Your flesh. Your flesh was crucified 2,000 years ago when you were stapled to a tree outside of Jerusalem. When Christ was crucified, your flesh, that aspect that you still experience what Jesus is saying at the he- from the heavenly perspective, from the spiritual reality, was crucified with Christ. He gives similar language in Romans 6, 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. So what is true? Are you a slave to sin if you are in Christ? 
No. <laughs> and so at the core, you can say what I had, what I had to say to myself. That's not who I am. You ever say that to yourself? That's not who you are. Like I say this to my kid. As you, as you, has your kid ever said, you're not the boss of me? Right? You say it to one another. Some of you adults still say that. Right? There's, there's, this, there's this reality of, of you're like, sin, the sin's not the boss of me. And, and sometimes you'll look into your kid's face when they do something, like punch their brother in the head or something like that. Hypothetically. And, and you're like, I know that's not who you are, right? Like you say that. I know this isn't who you are. You did this, but this, I know you. Right? You're, you're better than this. This is, this is not who you are. And, and this is the, the statement of the gospel. Is that this is not who you are in Christ. What is true, what's ultimately real, is that you are crucified with Christ and you are no longer a slave to sin. Romans 6.11, a couple verses later, he says, So you two consider yourselves. What does it mean to consider? That affects how you think. Is how you think important? Oh my goodness. So Paul says, consider how you think about yourself. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Don't do it, right? You're not the boss of me. That's like, I want you to say that. (laughs) Say it. You're not the boss of me, right? Like that's... Kids, like, that's an opportunity for you to say that in a way that pleases God, right? That, that's true. You're, you're not a slave. It's not the boss of you. You are free in Christ. And so this is this battle that we, we wage because the truth is what Jesus did for us on the cross in his death and his resurrection means that the Bond, so the father that gave us this good guitar for us to play and to enjoy that we couldn't, guess what? Now your hands that were tied up are free and you have spiritual senses. You can see, you can hear. And so the invitation is to play this guitar, to experience the fullness of of what God has for you in Christ to experience the fullness of this gift. But guess what? So you all that have your appendages and your eyesight and your ear sight or whatever that is, you have the capacity to play a guitar, to play an instrument. How many of you all actually play an instrument? All right. How many of you all don't play an instrument? All right, all right. Is that because you can't? Is that because it's impossible? No. What have you not done? The work, right? You haven't done the work. You have not disciplined yourself in order to be able to do what our worship team and, and many people in this room can do. And, and that's the work. That there's still, this is not a passive call. There is a active, ongoing, daily battle to walk in the spirit, to live out the freedom that Christ purchased for you on the cross. So how do we do this? Well, four quick points. 
First, we surrender. And this is where we have to start. Romans 8, 13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How do you put to death, crucify actively, the deeds of the the flesh, the desires of the flesh? By what power? So here's the deal. Every day we get, we go, God, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot overcome my desires and I can't, I can't keep myself from being my own worst enemy. And so God, I'm praying by your spirit, would you give me your power, the power of Christ in me to obey you and to live the way that you've called me to live. That, so by the spirit, and I, I have to do that surrendering. I'm surrendered to your power. I can't. I have to acknowledge that every single day, more than that. I can't, but you can. And so I'm trusting in your power, your spirit to do this. And that's the surrender. Secondly, starve. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To gratify its desire. There's a lot of ways this plays out. To not make provision. To not provide the resources. The opportunities for the flesh. Because you know if you put the flesh. With the temptations that we have. In different ways. If you put yourself in a context. Where there's that provision. Where's that fuel. That opportunity. You're like I know this isn't going to go well. And so you make no provision. And, And one of the ways I do think. Doing this is spiritual disciplines, things like fasting and things like silence and solitude and different ways that we, that we starve in some level these, these tendencies that we, that we develop this discipline. But, but a lot of it also is just wisdom, right? Don't put yourself in a place that you can't handle, like cut that off. Uh, in fact, one time, uh, I can't remember the scripture just comes to mind, but he says, you have not struggled yet to the point of shedding blood, <laughs> right? He's like, you haven't battled against your sin yet to the point that you're bleeding. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, that's true. But that's that cutting off, that, that don't allow the opportunity. Share, third, James five sixteen. therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So this week, uh, the first person that I talked with about my outburst of anger on the list in Galatians 5 uh, was Tony Jones because I meet with him every Wednesday and I open my life wide up to Tony. Tony's our chairman of deacons and, and I'm going to share with him what's going on in my life and, and at any level. And, and then there's other brothers in this church that we were able to share some of our struggles and some of the things we're going through. And what happens when you, those things, because it would be easy to hide that ugliness, right? I, wanna, I don't even want to acknowledge it myself when I look back at that. But what happens when I bring it into the light and I actually share it with other Christians? What happens? I mean, when you do that, when you, when you go, I'm going to fight against the tendency to hide this. I'm going to bring it out into the light. What happens? I hear a lot of like little bitty murmurings. It loses its power, right? Doesn't it? Doesn't it weaken the power of that and the shame that, that would tempt you to kind of keep that inside of you? And so there's something powerful about that, about acknowledging that. Like, no, I don't, I hate this. Again, I'm a new creation in Christ. This isn't who I am. So I hate that I did that. So I want to battle against that. So I'm going to put this out there so that other people 
can join me and I can help them also because guess what? They've already, they've done something probably dumb as well. And then they have the opportunity to share it. Fourth, to serve. Hear this, Romans 6.13, and do not offer any parts of it. So this is, he's talking about your body. Don't offer the parts of your body to sin as what? Weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves, these parts of your body to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. Guess what? When I was using the example of a loaded gun, that's language Paul uses. Paul says, this body, these parts of your body, it's a weapon. And if you just give into the flesh, it will be a weapon for evil. It'll be a weapon to destroy shalom. It'll be a weapon to destroy yourself and to destroy the people around you. And so don't offer it to sin, right? That's what he says. Don't do it. Instead, offer it. Because you got the, the point Paul makes is you got to choose one or the other. So instead, offer your body where? To God to be a weapon for righteousness. And there's so much potential. There's so much potential, again, for you. You as a human being have so much potential to do incredible good or to do incredible harm. And so the calling is to, to offer these bodies as weapons for righteousness. And I believe this is tied with serving others. Like Paul talks a lot about this, that, that we have experienced this incredible salvation for the good works that God prepared for us ahead of time. Right? That there are these good works that God's prepared for us of, of serving others, of using the gifts that God's given us, not negatively, but positively to serve other people, to build up the body of Christ. And that's, I think that's so crucial. And, and so many people know this, especially in the recovery community, right? Because when you're trying to get out of, of an addiction, you put your body to work to serve others in all kinds of ways. And I think it's so, it's so crucial because selfishness is at the heart of all of this. That's at the core of the sickness. The core of the cancer is selfishness. And so the, the opposite is selfless serving of others. And there's freedom, right? That's how God's designed us, to be weapons for righteousness. And so that's my call. And this is what, I hope communion is a calling to this. And so we're gonna move into a time of taking communion. And if you're here, and if you don't have the elements, uh, and you, but you would like them, would you just raise your hands, and our deacons bring them around to you. But here's what communion is. So we're talking about these spiritual realities, these invisible realities that, that Paul talks about, that Christ is in you and that you are in Christ. And there's a way in which we experience that, but can we, can we see that? Can you physically see Jesus coming in in that way? Well, you can't. And, and there's a way, though, in which... What, what the Lord's Supper does, what Jesus has given us, is a physical reminder of this truth. That just as, as this tiny little piece of bread or cracker, whatever it is, as that goes into your body and as you drink this juice and it goes into your body, the reality is that Christ is in you. 
And also that you are in Christ. And there's this larger reality of the body of Christ, which is the people around you. Because not only do you do this on your own, but you do this in this larger group that you're part of. Right? This local body of Christ. And so these, these spiritual realities of being in Christ and Christ being in you are something that we actually experience when we do this. And there's this empowering, I hope, to go now. There's this this opportunity to go and to give Christ right, to other people, to allow Christ to live through you. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives within me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the question is, in just a moment, is, is go, where in my life am I not living up to who I am in Christ? And that's, and that's our confession. We, we confess those things to God. Right, just take just a moment and just ask the Lord to search your heart and go, where am I not representing who I am in Christ in my life? Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.